Welcome into the show, ladies and gentlemen, the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points media group. Mendy here, joined by my crew. Of course, you know, Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, Eric Mendelson, the Doc, Marty Tallman, Marty Party. Fellas, we're doing a, a little quicker show with our SP Part 3 preview, so I just got to ask, how are you all feeling and you ready to wrap up our SP discussion? I'm ready. Let's do it. Ready for baseball to start and yep. stop drafting with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all tired of drafting with each other, just sniping left and right. So much just like you're just like, all right, so let's just actually get to games. Our That's final it. draft is a, is our home league Sunday. Art has seven, I have eight, and David has ninth. So literally going to wow. be so much sniping. Hashtag pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> It really is. I'm trying to trade out of the pick for that reason. Maybe get some video content for the YouTube page on this. I mean, Ooh. it sounds like a good opportunity. You know, I'm not going to be there, but in spirit, you know. I'm going to have Mar. I'm going to text Marty the whole draft to help me with my team and just say F you guys. It's going to be our squad to the top. Way to just say that you're a casual then. <laughs> wow. Well, asking for Marty's help, but yeah. you're you're shooting down half the cast here. Because <laughs> I'm we shooting could, down uh, you. No, because you're calling Marty a casual for me hitting him up. No, I'm saying you're a casual that you can't draft your own team. That doesn't mm. make sense. I think I can. Both of it makes two great heads are better than one. So that's how I look at it. All right, let's get into some SP discussion. We're talking starting pitcher preview part three, which is going to be pitchers going anywhere from sixty one to 100 plus over on the NFBC and we'll be looking at ADP over the last week. So, this is <laughs> I tried I tried to I tried to mute myself but I couldn't get it in time. <laughs> um Well, maybe Art can cut that out for those that don't want to hear me sneeze. No. <laughs> um so this, at this point in the draft uh, there's no, we're not really talking about who avoid at this point because they're all such good values that you're just either trying to target these guys or you're looking elsewhere at this point in the draft. So we're each going to give you our five favorite guys to draft in this range and why to do so. And without further ado, why don't we talk about these pitchers and let's go to Marty party first. Give us your first pitcher in the 61 to hundred range that you feel like you find yourself drafting a lot of. Yeah, so it's going to be John Gray. So he's just at the um, just at the start of that range. Um, Texas Rangers, so just obviously easy analysis here, but him getting out of out of Colorado, although I do have the head on today, but um, getting out of Colorado, um, going to Texas, which is obviously a way better uh, ballpark for everything offense. Um, you know, he's been a workhorse really over the last four seasons or five seasons, four of those times he's got over 145 innings. So he's pitching a lot. He's going to be on a much improved team, a better ballpark and an opportunity. I mean, they, they want to make the playoffs. I mean, they've spent a lot of money, so they expect, you know, he'll be going as much as they can. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he's their ace. So yeah, he's all, all signs point up and God bless him for getting out of Colorado. I'm excited (laughs) for him. Yeah. I think one of the people, we're talking about how like you also have to change your pitching approach when you're in Colorado. It's not just that you're obviously the ball that you're affected just by the overall parts of the park, but your pitches play differently. So you can't, there's no consistency. I mean, at at, at every point of the season, you are adjusting if you're home and away, home and away, home and away. So even if he's just out of that ballpark, it's going to give him a chance to actually work on his stuff um, on a consistent level, something he's never been able to do. Yeah, and I feel like Doc's on the same page with you with John Gray. He he loved John Gray when he was in Colorado, and he loves John Gray with Texas. Yeah, and it's not just because he signed to baseball for me and had a good conversation. So he's a good guy, but as Marty mentioned, the durability is there, and that's what you're really looking at as someone to eat those innings. And he started the season out well. He had a 3.15 ERA last year. We saw a flash in July where uh, over 30 innings he had a 2.97 ERA. I do think that he needs to just kind of – Stop throwing the fastball a little bit as much. Get a 331 batting average against. But I look at his other pitches, a slider, a 156 batting average, a change, that 263 batting average, the curveball at 120. I just think a new environment is going to help him out. And especially he's probably going to get more run support than he did before. So you hope the wins go up as well. So I, I just love the value where he's at. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, he's somebody, like Marty mentioned, 
over the last week on NFBC. He's going pitcher 86 from 218. So I think it's a pretty good value for an ace of a staff and somebody that they invested a lot in. So you know he's going to have every opportunity to succeed there. So you guys are both in on him. And I don't think you guys have actually even fought over him in any drafts. But how much exposure do you guys have to John Gray, Marty? Do you have him on a lot of teams? Yeah, I've done six teams. I have him on one. So he's actually going before I'm even able to get him. And so I'm seeing myself getting Eduardo Rodriguez a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit earlier, a lot earlier than that. But by the time I get back into the pool, he's already gone. What about you, Doc? How many teams do you have John Gray on? I have him on one, and I took Eduardo Rodriguez in our dynasty league because I'm Marty. I like as I clicked that draft button, I was like, Marty Tallman is smiling somewhere. Yeah, I think I felt it. Every time an Eduardo Rodriguez is drafted, a Marty Tallman smiles. I do. I do. <laughs> Uh, I have John Gray on two teams, by the way. How does the guy that doesn't want to talk about John Gray have John Gray on more teams than both of you guys? I mean, I love. I asked. I asked Marty who I should draft, just like you're going to do this weekend. Smart man, great minds think alike. There, Uh, Elsie, who's who's your first player in this range? Um, Drew Rasmussen is the first guy I wanted to talk about. Now, he's a relief pitcher turned starting pitcher who kind of benefited from a low BABIP and a low home runs per nine as he finished out the season as a starter for Tampa Bay last year. Now, it looks like he's pretty well locked into that rotation. And as he just turned into a starter towards the end of last season, you might, you know, there are some concerns about how many innings he's going to throw. Is he going to go through more than 130, 140 innings? And I'm not. I don't think he probably will go more than like 140 innings, but I think they're going to be quality innings. I think he, you started to see towards the end of the season, he was going five innings consistently. He went at least five innings in the last um, four to five starts. Let's see, four, four starts of the season and uh, five of his last six starts of the season. So he's going the distance to get wins and, and he's, he's going in a good organization that's going to manage his workload really well and giving him an opportunity to pick up wins. So um, the other thing that I wanted to say is uh, his, his actually his stuff rates really highly in, in Eno's stuff plus model, which is something that, you know, always bolsters a look at this, at this point, someone who, who has the stuff to possibly increase his strikeout totals and given an opportunity in a good organization. Yeah. Do you think, Elsie, that he gets a spot in the rotation to start out the year. You think he comes out of the pen, or do you think he ends up being one of those those guys you can put as an SP in the RP spot, and that becomes his most valuable asset for your fantasy team? Well, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Tampa Bay using him in one of those follower roles where he might be able to vulture some wins. Um, he has the ability; he showed the ability to go five innings last season. I think right now he's projected to go be the second or third starter in the rotation. Looks like he's pretty solid in the rotation, but you know, with Tampa Bay, they could move him in and out of the rotation, use him in different roles throughout the season. They do like to use their pitchers kind of as Swiss army knives. Yeah, they do. And any pitcher that's on the raise, obviously, obviously you're going to keep your eye on. They seem to evaluate pitchers really well and bring them up when they're ready. So I, I do like that call there. I'm going to stay in that same division, and my first player I'm going to talk about is Tanner Houck. If you're just listening to the Triple Play Fantasy Podcast for the first time, then you don't maybe don't know my obsession with Houck. If, if you've been listening, maybe you can block out the next two minutes. But Tanner Houck, 59 innings as a starter last year, a 3.68 ERA, 10 innings as a reliever, a 2.61 ERA. Combine those numbers, and it's a 3.52 ERA in 69 innings. But his FIP ended up being 2.58. And I think that's a better correlation of what a pitcher's value is in that category as far as like earn run average than uh, that FIP that takes fielding out of, of the equation there. But what I really like about Hauk is he had a 30.5% strikeout rate and 11.35 strikeouts per nine innings. He really, though, changed his walks, though. That was the big thing because Hauk's always had good strikeout stuff, but he cut his walk rate in half last year. And that's a big thing, especially if you're talking about a guy that you're going to want to pitch deeper into games. Right now, I think people view him as like a five-inning starter. And I think if he can keep that walk rate down, he'll be able to go deeper into games. And you've seen the upside there, too, because there was one point in the season last year where he retired 30 consecutive batters over four appearances. So it's a modified perfect game, if you will. 
He's got a great arsenal. I love pitchers that have a lot of, of great sliders. And his slider had 41 of his 87 strikeouts in 2021, had a 42.4% whiff rate, and had nearly 100 RPMs more than he did in 2020 on that pitch. A 159 batting average against. I mean, guys, I could sit here for days and days talking to you why I think Tanner Houck's going to break out. I do think now with the injury to Chris Sale, that has cemented him to get at least a look early on in that rotation, which is what everybody was kind of waiting to see if he'd get a shot there. And I think with his stuff, and with the fact he's going to get a shot in that rotation, I think he's worth the gamble. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's, as of yesterday, was going as pitcher 74 off the board just before pick 200. I think you could do a lot worse with that upside. Yeah, so. David, did you, uh, did you, did your heart flutter? What it described the feeling when you saw the tweet that he had, you know, pretty much locked into the rotation after how much you've been drafting him? I said, Tanner Houck stands. This is our day. <laughs> our time has come but, but i've mentioned it too and there's a theme here with at least half the guys i have on my list you draft guys with skills over their roles we saw it last year with the dodgers when they had like eight guys that could be in the rotation you were like well i'm not sure if i trust these guys because they're they're going to be out of the bullpen injuries always happen in this game especially with pitchers and eventually, if you take guys that have good stuff and good skills, they're going to get a spot in that rotation, whether it's injury, whether it's performance. So you draft those skill guys at that discount. And then when they get that bump into the rotation later on in the season, then you reap all the benefits. So he's one of the first of few guys I'm going to be bringing up in that role. But let's go back to Marty Party and let's go over to your second guy on this list, which would be who? And this is the put your money where your mouth is pick. So Cal Hendricks, I have him in TGFBI. I think I have him in Glarf. Um, I'm pretty much getting him wherever I can. I've been I've been saying it all offseason. Um, and he's still in a really good spot. So eight, he's been in the league for eight years, and he has a career 3.36 ERA. You know, he's what I would consider a workhorse pitcher. You know, he went 180 innings again last year. And he's still limiting hard contact. His hard hit rate is in the 88th percentile. His average exit velocity is in the 92nd percentile. So still getting weak contact consistently. And he does not walk people. So, yes, I know he had a career low um, K percentage last year, but I think he's going to be a lot better this year. He even talked about how he was unmotivated last year because of the situation around the Cubs and um, and everything like that. So I think he's going to have a bounce back season. He still has all of his tools um, that he's always had. His command is still great, still elite. He's in a pretty good ballpark for him, you know, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, so, yeah, I really like where he's at. Cal Wait, how how could he be more motivated this year after they've sold everybody off and like are tanking? It's a new, you know, when you get a uh, like a new haircut, you know, you're just refreshed, right? Maybe nothing's changed in your life, but you feel good about it. And he I has feel- new, he has new. Hold on, he has a new, completely new team around him, right? And Art can speak on that. This is this is not the same team that he's used to. Obviously, the playoffs aren't in um, expectation, but he didn't know if he's getting traded the whole year. He didn't know if they were selling everybody off. They've reinvested in the team. They've picked up some good free agents. I'm excited for him, but please go ahead. I was going to say, I just feel like it's the equivalency of getting a new haircut at a bad barber shop. Like it's a haircut. Yo, shout out to my people Watch at Great Clips. They they got they trimmed me up good when I went there in Chicago. <laughs> I was in and out in 15 minutes. Shout out. Nice. I know you nice. guys work hard. Good haircutters and and and, hey, and hairstylists and barbers. Yo, in Chicago. if you try to get your head shaved in Chicago, they're gonna try to charge you fifty dollars. And I'm saying, are you serious? Everywhere, every one of those barbers. I mean, they look beautiful. You go in there, it's a whole thing. But yeah, so I hey, I hit up a great clips, man. I was in and out in fifteen minutes, shaved my head for fifteen bucks. Thank you. Do you like sports clips? Have you ever been to sports clips? Yeah, yeah, same. Whatever. Yeah, no, fantastic no. Sam's. Whatever. No, this is this is a conversation for another day. We don't endorse sports clips on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, you said you just said you did. No, I said I, I. If it's the same thing, then yeah, I don't know. Sports but, clips gives you the hot towel, and they give you the MVP package, which is like the hot great. towel, the hot towel, the head massage, and the haircut. Oh, they, but it's awful haircuts. I mean, they're, they're like, my head. They they're like, yeah, for his haircut, that's not bad. <laughs> that's hey, where do look, I sign up? Look, this lineup in the front, my barber asked, does this look straight to you? And <laughs> and uh, it was at that moment I decided that sports clips would never get a single penny from me ever again. <laughs> okay. If, every, if you have a specialty haircut or hair at all, then don't. But if you're like me, <laughs> you just need to keep your head shaved. Okay. Does Marty, it look straight to you, buddy? <laughs> man, we should... 
That's this, this would have been a perfect question of the week. Which player has the best haircut? Ooh. Yeah, there's another question for another show, which means Eric's going to save it for his next question of the week. So stay tuned. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go uh, back to you, Doc. And your next guy on this list is a Houston Astros pitcher who got a lot of love last year, but seems like he's kind of been left to the wayside a little bit more this season. I mean, let me tell you, I'm just getting a lot of Jose Arquiti, and the only league I don't is when Art took him two picks before me. Thanks, Cheesecake. But beating that Jose Arquiti drum, going to have a spot in the rotation. McCullers isn't healthy. Justin Verlander, I feel like they limit his workload. And so the big thing is with Arquiti, his health. Last year, shoulder soreness, which is why I think the ADP has dropped a little bit. He threw 107 innings, which is a career high for him. I'm hoping he can get towards 120, but he has a 1.02 whip for his career, and he doesn't walk batters, and he attacks the strike zone early, which I love. I think it's confidence in your pitches. Last year, 17 out of the 20 starts, he went four innings plus, so he doesn't get shelled. There was one game he had that was really poor against the, the Blue Jays, but to be fair, a lot of pitchers do. He has a really good pitch mix with a lot of speed variations. A fastball that tops out at 93, a slider at 75, a change at 84, a curve at 77. Once again, we're talking about the ADP of these pitchers. I don't think he's going to give you the innings that an ace can give you, but I think he can give you ace-type games. Let me ask you guys, this is going to lead into my next player that I'll get into in a couple minutes here. Would you rather take uh, Jose Urquidy at pick 214 or Christian Javier in that same rotation at pick 282? I have Arkady everywhere. I want them both, but if I had to go with one, I'd go with Arkady. Arkady. Oh, well, this is a clean sweep. This is a no. This is a Christian Javier podcast, at least from my <laughs> angle here. You are outnumbered. Oh, I, I can't wait to debate with you guys when I get to it. But I'm gonna let Elsie take the floor first with his next guy. Yeah. Uh, well, this is uh, this is kind of. Uh, this is a picture that I don't have anywhere because I wasn't sure exactly how healthy was, he was going to be. And you know, we had the whole lockout. We, we didn't get any health updates. Jamison Tyon, you know, came out, he's been thrown. He looked good through just a couple of days ago, um, through the ball. Well, according to many updates on Twitter and I, I had been passing him up because I wasn't sure exactly how he was going to be. I think that Tyon is a kind of, stabilizer he produces consistent good whip consistent his uh strikeouts at nearly one per per inning uh 8.7 last season and he's pitching on a good organization where he could be able to get some good run support and get some wins um what i looked for from him last year was just the fact that he went out there and he pitched he made 29 starts 144 innings really he never pitched out of the bullpen i think he's in the rotation I think he's going to get a good chance uh, to go 140, 150 innings as well. And you're getting him around pick 280 now. He was going well past 300, and that's when I was passing him up. And I'm going, I I, I really kind of was like, I should just take him. But there were guys who I knew were healthy at the time. And now it's just I look at it and go, this guy's going to be throwing 140, 150 innings, pretty good innings with good whip, good wins. So Jameson Tyon. Yeah, I mean, he's going just a, oh, right before pick 280. Let me just ask you guys, Jameson Tyone or Cal Quantrill? Cal Quantrill. Oh, they were split on that one. Uh, you say Kikuchi or Jameson Tyone? Tyone. Yo, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. feeling Kikuchi more and more after he had a good, strong start. You know, he's going to Toronto where it's obviously going to be a little bit harder for him, but um, I don't know. Suzuki, give me the upside. Did you say Suzuki? Oh, yeah, nine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Marty. It's been a long day. Goodness sorry. gracious. Man, <laughs> that's a tough one. That's a tough one because Kikuchi has more strikeout Kikuchi. upside. He does. He's the, goalie, yeah. he's the first starting pitcher right before Tyone. Uh, what about last one? Gonsolin, now that he's got a, a spot in the rotation. Gonsolin or Tyone? Just not on Gonsolin. I'm taking Tyone myself. Tyone. You don't like the cat? Tony the cat is that his nickname? It's something I think it, they call him the cat or something like that. It's it's something I have to look up the exact name for him. But yeah, Gonsolin for the first month and then Tyone rest of the season. 
He's got security. The Yankees don't have a stable rotation. So if, if he's anywhere near effective, he's going to get the chances there. Injuries, I think, are just the big question mark. But obviously at this point in the draft, you can take those types of gambles for the upside he could give you. Uh, let's. I mean, there's a better transition than talking about Christian Javier, who's the guy right below him in ADP. I can't believe you guys are all Jose Urquidy over Christian Javier. I mean, let's be real here. Christian Javier... We know the potential he possesses. He had a 28.8% strikeout rate uh, of pitchers who threw at least 150 or more innings over the last two seasons, which ranked 16th in all of baseball. And I want to shout out SP Streamer, our buddy here, who actually found this out. He had a 32.4% K rate as a reliever and a 26.7% K rate as a starter. And obviously, you look at his numbers on the surface, a 3.55 ERA, 30.7% strikeout rate, 12.5% walk rate and 101 and a third innings pitched. Obviously, nothing about that is uh, necessarily eye-popping. But what I think at the end of the day comes down with Christian Javier is his slider is fantastic. A minus 10 run value, 0.98 expected batting average against, 49% whiff rate, and he also had a 0.155 WOBA and only nine hits given up on 483 sliders he threw last year. If you want even more deeper stats than that, Javier was one of nine starting pitchers that faced greater than 100 batters and had a minus 10 run value on their slider while keeping the pitch usage sub 30%. So what that shows me is he threw the pitch a ton and he still, uh, or he, I'm sorry, he didn't throw the pitch that much and he still was able to get a really good minus run value on that slider. At the end of the day, I do think he's going to get a shot in this rotation. I think he has better strikeout stuff than Arquiti. I, the big thing when I was looking him up that he was struggling with his fastball command, he walked too many batters and he was also became ineffective against left-handed hitters, but he talked with then pitching coach Brent Strom, who's no longer with the organization. He was he's on a different team now, but he basically had him work on momentum to speed up his delivery rather than trying to be careful and throw strikes. When he was trying to throw strikes, he ended up trying to just th- direct where he threw and it wasn't working, but his momentum taking over and speeding up his delivery allowed for an increase in 4% uh, on his first pitch strike percentage once he made that change, and his walks went down. So I think he is the tools there to break out this year, and you're getting him at a much cheaper cost. So I think Arkady is the better option when it comes between those two guys. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Arkady is the better option. Thank you for having that long spiel and then coming to our side. No, Christian Javier is the better option. When you replay this back, you'll listen that you said Arkady. Did I really? Yeah, you did yeah. at the end. You did. You did at the end, but that only once. That's okay. You didn't say Suzuki. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> you guys could see our our private chat right now. Uh, okay. This might be the best episode we've ever done. <laughs> Marty, give us your third guy. Uh, yeah. So let me Andrew Heaney because I'm I just can't learn. Um, but no. Uh, I'm hoping that there's some you know good old Dodgers magic fairy dust that they sprinkle on these arms. You know, I mean, his K percentage is still you know a little bit over 27. percent It's in the 72nd percentile. Um, that's always been there. So I'm just hoping that he can find you know kind of like a fountain of youth. You know, um, get into the into the National League and just continue building on his K percentage and everything he's able to do with limiting some hard contact. So I'm just, it's a, it's a hope and a prayer. He didn't do well when he, when he just came out, I think he gave up five runs in two innings and it was just brutal to watch, but I'm still, I I got him so so many different places. I got to keep him. Wait, you're talking about Andrew Heaney. Yeah. Marty, would you put him in the show sheet earlier? I thought you were joking. I, I haven't learned anything, but (laughs) Here's the thing, I'm, I can't. Hey, I already drafted him in two different places. I can't give up on on him yet. We haven't even seen him, you know, in the Dodger blue in the re- regular season. So, Marty, I, I've, I'm putting a prayer out for your fantasy teams. The, 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 when he goes, he's like three, my eighth pitcher. Are you going to start him at any point? You think? Yes, I, I I hope so. Yes, I feel like Andrew Heaney is the pitcher equivalent of Matt Chapman. No, 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 no. Can we can we say that? I'm Matt Chapman at least the last two years or something. Matt no. Chapman is last rate of risk. Get get well, buddy. You're, we love you here at the show. We do. We really do. I know you listen. Uh, I think I put a poll out on Andrew Heaney a month ago, and I said, are you taking him betwixt, uh, between picks 100 to 200 
two to two fifty, two fifty to three hundred, which is ADP is right around three hundred. Or I said, are you not taking him at all? And it was actually like not taking him at all. I think won the vote by like a a decent margin. He's he's a, I mean, the upside he definitely has. I, you know that the strikeout stuff is there. He's with the Dodgers, where if he's going to learn to pitch, that's one of the best organizations to do it. It's going to be a question of if he can't do it here, then he's done. Like this is, I can understand taking the gamble on him. Well, no, no, I mean, but then he goes to the Giants, and then he revives his career. <laughs> I mean. If he looks like a complete flop with the Dodgers, I don't know what the Giants are going to do. Um, having the pitch for the Yankees, that's a tough spot. It's a tough ballpark, tough division. Yeah. I, yeah. I, like, I like him. All right, Doc, let's go to your next player. And somebody, again, last year that had their ADP shoot up like a balloon now is sunk down like a rock. You're in on the sunken cost of Zach Plesak. Look, caveat out there, he is knucklehead. So there might be some frustration, but he's only 27. He's pitched in the league three years, two if you're going to count, two and a half if you're going to count the shortened season. Um, and But I look at 2020, I mean, 27.7K percentage, 2.9 walk percentage. I'm not saying he's going to get back to those numbers, but you hopefully that he can be better than he was in 2021 when his K percentage went down to 16.7 now. He has to throw his fastball less. He threw it 41.5% of the time, and it had a 326 batting average as opposed to the 37.6% of time in 2020. He needs to up that slider a little bit more. He threw it 23.1 in 2021 and 27.8 in 2020 when batters hit 069 against him, and he threw that 216 times. So once again, it's ADP. Zach Police acts a knucklehead, but he's got some talent and he's young. I'll take him. Yeah. Uh, let's look at his ADP over the last week. Zach Plesak on NFBC 15 teamers is going 352. I can tell you this. I'm interested to hear Marty and, and Elsie's thoughts as well. The pitchers that go after him, I find myself drafting more of. Uh, Luis Patino, Reed, Dem- Reed Detmers. Uh, Anthony Bender for the potential closer job for the Marlins. I'll take over him. Uh, I'm not, I haven't completely given up on Kyle Gibson because he, you just can't. I like what I saw from him last year. All of his numbers and his underlying numbers are inflated. I mean, it's, he's, he's living on a hope and a prayer, but I think, Hey, if he's healthy, he's going to be able to get you 160 innings. And I see him working at the back of that bolt, uh, that uh, starting rotation. Yeah. He'll definitely give you innings. That's for sure. I think you can bank on that. Uh, Elsie, your next guy up is? Um, I want to talk about Carlos Hernandez. Uh, just turned 25-year-old man, uh, man in the Kansas City Royals rotation. I think he's about the – that's Eliezer. We'll be talking about later. There's my man, Carlos. He's the 141st pitcher off the board. He's about the 100th starter off the board. Um, now, Carlos just – Looked like a different pitcher once he went into the rotation. And the one thing I really like about him, even though he doesn't strike out a ton of people, uh, he goes deep into games. He was going six innings, seven innings, six innings, seven innings, six and two-thirds, five and two-thirds, and just giving you a lot of volume last season. His uh, As a starter last year, uh, his ERA was half a run better than it was as a reliever. He just looked much better as a pitcher. And uh, he's coming into his prime. A lot of the great analysts are in on him on, and on his on his pitches. Uh, I'm, not, you know, I, I think that he's uh, he's someone who who I also you know feel like I wish that I had gotten more of in my drafts this year because I think if you're looking at that Kansas City rotation, you know, there's a lot of guys who I've been in at different points, but I I think that Hernandez actually is the one who this season might be the best out of all of them. And uh, he's actually going later than later than a lot of them, later than uh, than I think Brady Singer. But uh, I'm a big fan of Carlos Hernandez, uh, and I had him on. You know, I had him on my team last year, and he pitched well for me down the stretch, which is also always something that uh, that helps me uh, helps me make these decisions. Yeah. So, Elsie, what is um <laughs> something in my throat? Um, I, I've heard. <laughs> You're. Can you tell me a little bit more about Carlos Hernandez's actual stuff? Like, is, is he somebody that you can rely on for strikeouts? 
Is he somebody that you think will get innings for them? Or is he more of a speculation, kind of like you don't know what you think he is at this point? No, um, I think that he's going to throw innings for them. He's the guy who they let pitch deep into the games, and he uh, he went, did that consistently last year, going over six six innings. Let me see this. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, like six six or seven of his last ten starts were six, five or two-thirds or six innings or more. So he gives you a lot of volume. He's not. He's only giving you like eight Ks per nine. That's what he produced last season as a starter. Uh, he produced better numbers when he was coming up. So it's possible there's more in there. A lot of the analysts uh, studying his pitches say that he he might have more Ks in those pitches. For me, it, I'm not. You know, I, I I'm not needing more Ks. I think that he's, you know, he's going in a good situation in a good ballpark. Going to provide innings and uh, have a pretty decent defense behind him. Yeah. I I love that Royals team and what they're building there. I absolutely love the prospects coming in, and I love the fact that they're looking like that Witt's going to start the year out with them, and they're not going to have the service time stuff. They're going to actually try to win right now, and which is exciting for them. Uh, my next guy I'm going to bring up here, if Tanner Houck is my heartthrob, then Aaron Ashby is the other side of my heart because – you take out Aaron Ashby's first and last game last year that he pitched, which if you combine those games, 1.1 innings of 10 earned runs, or if you want an ERA, that's an 81.81 ERA. The rest of the time he pitched in the major leagues was 30.1 innings of 1.79 ERA ball and 38 strikeouts. The same pitcher that won Brewers minor league pitcher of the year in 2019, where he posted a 3-5 ERA and 126 innings between two levels top 10 prospect in their system. I think he's ready to take the next step this for this year. Like we mentioned with the first two guys, I love good sliders and his slider was freaking fantastic. He had a slider that had a 0.77 batting average against a 0.79 expected batting average, 42% whiff rate. If you want to look how good his slider was, Ashby trailed only Corbin Burns who had it uh, with this curveball, and Blake Trinan with his slider as the lowest batting averaged against of uh, against the pitch thrown 200 or more times with his 0.77 average. So keep in mind two pitchers had a pitch better than his slider last year when thrown more than 200 times. It's really really good. He also uses his sinker around a 34% of the time to keep hitters honest. Fastball sits in the mid 90s so he's got good velocity. That sharp breaking slider we talked about obviously is the, the lethal part of his arsenal here. Changeup is also very good too. A 167, a 167 average against and a 34% whiff rate. Uh, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, he's somebody, again, they were talking about might not start the year in the rotation. And that's that's a fair assessment to say with Lauer and Hauser there. But I do think very quickly, Ashby will take that role over Hauser. Lauer maybe keeps it unless there's something that an injury or something else goes wrong. I think at very worst, you're getting somebody that's going to be a multi-inning reliever. That's going to come in and give you three or four quality innings, mowing down hitters just at an incredible rate. But ultimately, what gets me most excited about Aaron Ashby, you look at it and how it's gone with the Brewers in the past. You had Brandon Woodruff first. He started out kind of like in the bullpen, and then he ended up being an elite starter. You had Corbin Burns struggle in 2019. Then he came back in 2020 and started making positive strides. Then he's an all-out stud. Last year, you have Freddie Peralta, who was very questionable in the same exact way that Aaron Ashby was. They were like, is he going to be a guy that piggybacks, comes out of the bullpen? Boom. He comes out, and he's arguably one of the biggest surprises last season and a cornerstone in this rotation. I think he's the next guy to follow with the type of stuff that he has, and I think he's going to be somebody that you're going to be like, I can't believe I stole him, which I believe when I say steal, it is a steal because right now he's going at pick 260.95 the 101st pitcher off the board absolute madness that you're getting a guy with these types of skills at this point in the draft so i'm very big on aaron ashby david let me ask you how many innings do you expect him to pitch because i'm looking at all the projections and none of them have them over 100 yeah i think that's pretty ridiculous if i'm not mistaken where did how many innings did he throw last year um, it was so he threw in the major leagues, he threw 31. 31.2 innings. But the year before that, in the minor leagues, he threw 
126 innings between the two levels. So I think, I do think he's going to get the spot because someone's going to get hurt or someone's going to be lack of performance. So I do think he's going to get in that rotation. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get like 150 innings for them next year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up his projection systems from Fangraphs too because I want to see what exactly what his minor league. If you combine his minor league and his major league innings last season, what do you get? That's how I like to look at it too. Yeah. And while you pull that up, I mean Zips is optimistic. They give him 113 innings pitch, but we're looking at Steamer 89 innings, ATC 86, the Bad Axe 86, looking around 3.5 ERA, 1.3 WHIP, 100 okay. Ks though. So last year he pitched. If you combine his AAA and his major league innings, he pitched uh, 95 innings last year. So maybe they give him like a. I mean, 50 innings is kind of the the borderline or the standard bump. So in that case, you'd be close to 150. But if you want to play it safer, maybe 135, 140 innings. I think they're very much like. I think they're projecting him to be a reliever, which is why the innings are so low. And that's why I'm saying I think they're not taking into account he could be in this rotation and that those would change. So I think that's part of the reason you're getting a huge dip on him right now. And the skills are there. And so that's why I'm, I'm very much mm-hmm. super excited getting him at this price because uh, I think really quickly people are going to reap the benefits of him. Uh, all right. Well, you got two more players each. We're going to wrap. We're going to uh, shoot through here, starting back with Mr. Tallman. Your fourth player is who? Reed Detmers, we touched on him a little bit for the Angels. I, I mean, coming up last year, I mean, he had a 7.40 ERA over his 22.2 innings. So obviously a tough beginning for the kid. But we've already seen um, in spring training on uh, March 25th, he went three innings with five Ks, only allowed one hit. His curveball looked incredible. It was a curveball that we saw back in college. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and he's working another uh, off-speed pitch in there. That actually looked a lot more polished, and his delivery was a lot more repeatable. Um, than it was last year so less herky-jerky in there so everything I saw is uh, it's um it's up for him and the Angels are going to need more and more arms in there so I could see him you know if if they're winning they're gonna let him pitch so he's at a good spot yeah I mean the prospect pedigree the fact they need pitching and he seems like he's obviously turning a corner this spring seems like he's somebody that that is a hot name and he's going at a pretty fair price too 377 134th overall pitcher off the board. I think that's a pretty good value for him. Do you have him on a lot of teams, Marty? Yeah, I'm in one, but I was getting them back in like when it was well over 400. Mm-hmm. It was easy peasy back then. But never since that spring training start, don't expect to. He, he's on everyone's list. It's there. Yeah. That's definitely more than Chris Flexen. I'll say that. I'm with you 100%. I, I think the upside there is way better for him. I like that call. Doc, let's go to your fourth player. And I actually like this guy, I think, the most out of anybody you have on your list. Uh, but why don't you tell us about another Kansas City Royal? And you're on mute, you're, you dumb rookie. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm big on Brady Singer this year. Um, you know, once again, we're talking about guys that are later. Uh, but he's only 25. The innings pitcher going up each season. He had a couple of injuries in 2021. I think he would have gotten a little bit more bump there. Um, his K rate and, and walk percentage stayed similar to his uh, um, to his year before. And I think the Royals weren't consistent. And I look at like this, this stretch and, and Marty, I think you can attest to how kind of the Tigers used Casey Mize. So for example, on April 24th, he threw seven innings pitched and faced 24 batters. The next game he pitched April 30th, he went two innings pitched and faced 11 batters. And he only had one earned run. They just kind of seemed inconsistent with how many pitches they were letting him throw um, I, and I think part of pitching too is you got to get learn to work out of those bad situations. Um, I will say where he needs to improve is right now he's a two pitch guy. He throws his sinker about fifty seven percent of the time, and he throws his slider about thirty eight percent of the time. I think if he can throw throw in a third pitch, even if he can just throw his fastball and, and improve on his location, I mean I like it as a dart throw. Yeah, I mean Brady Singer is somebody's going to eat innings for them. I've actually read that. Um, him and, and uh, Whit Merrifield have kind of talked about him this for this upcoming season, and he's been working on some things that I've been reading that he uh, could be a lot better this season. Wish I had those things in front of me, but that's what a good host would do. But I do not have those in front of me at the moment. But I do like Brady Singer again as an innings eater, a guy that maybe not give you a ton of strikeouts, but 
somebody you can get at this point in your draft and you can just have a guy that if you need the innings and you need a guy that, that can give you some quality starts here and there, he's he could be a guy for you. Elsie, your fourth player on this list is who? Uh, I think that the uh, the Milwaukee lefty that will fill the void in uh, in in the back of that rotation is Eric Lauer. Now Eric Lauer had made I think twenty two, twenty three, or twenty twenty some starts for uh, Milwaukee last season. Looked really good for them. Um, and, uh, he, he doesn't really have a platoon difference. He actually had a 211 average against, against righties last year and a 228 against lefties last year. Strikes out almost one, one batter per inning. And, uh, this is a person who, uh, who threw over 150 innings in San Diego a few seasons ago. So he has that background of throwing a lot of innings in the bigs. He looked good for Milwaukee last season and, you look at him now, he, he, he's throwing a little bit harder. He has a little bit of an uptick in velocity this spring, touching 96 from the left side, which would be faster than he's thrown at any point in his career. So I really like Lauer. I think he's one of those late stabilizers you can have. I think he's going to, I think he's going to, you know, flourish in his second year in Milwaukee in that pitching culture there. And I've had, I have him in a few leagues. Yeah. I mean, obviously getting him as late as you do close to pick 400 and the increased velocity, or pick 321, but still. Uh, and the increased velocity, I think anytime you see a pitcher with increased velocity, that's automatically going to make you raise an eyebrow because not only can that make it so they can leave more pitches in the zone and get away with mistakes, but their other their off-speed stuff and breaking stuff can play off of that a lot better. So someone like Lauer, who already was last year talked about is, is making strides, I think this could be a good year for him. And I, I do like that call, Elsie. I think Lauer is somebody you're getting at this spot and you're putting him on your bench as one of your bench pitchers, and you're able to, if he does break out, reap the benefits without having to take much risk at this point. The next guy I'm going to talk about is a guy actually that doesn't feature a, a slider, and it's Alex Cobb. Now, do you guys remember how bad he was in Baltimore? Yes. <laughs> thank, thank, you do. Thanks, thanks for uh thanks was for terrible. playing off. This is good podcasting. Thanks for playing <laughs> off. So he, he was bad to the point where he had a seven and twenty-two record in two hundred and seventeen innings, a six seven one ERA, and hundred and forty-eight strikeouts, which the K per nine for that was six point one K per nine. If you remember, obviously everything else was really bad. I won't go through all his bad statistics. He goes to the LA Angels. And he starts turning around last year, an eight and three record, a three, seven, six ERA over 18 starts. And what he did ultimately was he threw his splitter a lot more so much more. He actually threw it more than Kevin Gosman, who's known for the splitter. And that also not only just made his numbers better, his K per nine went up 9.5 K per nine after 6.1 in Baltimore. He also was the top 93 percentile among qualified pitchers in chase rate and the top 94% in barrel rate. And he was only allowing barreled balls on 4.2% of barreled balls in play. So everything about his hard contact was better. And obviously, RIKs, everything went up. So now he's going to the Giants. And Kevin Gosman went to the Giants. And I know he was making changes with the Braves and the Reds. But he became an all-star with the Giants. And the Giants simply told him to jitch his slider and change up. And instead, you throw your two best pitches, you throw them off. And that's his splitter and his fastball. And basically, in his first year, he upped them to combine over 80% of his offerings. offerings. And then last year, it was over 90% of his offerings. And he was even better his second year. So you throw your best pitches, throw them off. And I think what they're going to do, that exact same thing with Cobb. They're going to have him throw his sinker and his split finger a lot more while keeping his fastball usage and curveball usage down slightly. I, I am interested also because they had say Cobb is mixing a new curveball grip that he was working on at driveline that I think could be an interesting uh, pitch to add to his arsenal. But I think at the end of the day that there, his fastball or his overall velocity is up because of driveline. It was actually up a couple miles per hour last year. And the fact that he's going to feature his nasty splitter a lot more like I think Kevin, Co uh, Kevin Gosman did. I think that's why he has another level in him. Maybe not the all-star Kevin Gosman level, but maybe like a low threes, high twos ERA and like a K per nine, which is a very serviceable player at, if I'm not mistaken, he is going 
right now at pick 230.91, the 90th pitcher off the board. So I think that's that could be somebody that could be worth the gamble there. Anybody with the Giants is, is definitely uh, somebody that could be worth a gamble. Let's wrap up with our last player talked about here. And you guys switched the order on me. I think that you were on screen, or maybe I'm just crazy. Elsie, let's go to you first. Who's your last player? I just want to shout out to Eliezer Hernandez, someone who I think has a lot of arm talent, someone who's a first-round pick of the Marlins and really fighting for a chance at the back end of that rotation right now. Uh, came in, and he's uh, he's dealing this spring. I, I, I did some research. He struck out three over three scoreless innings, um, backing up Trevor uh, – Sorry, Trevor Rogers uh, the other day looking good. I think getting him given a chance in the in the back of that rotation. He's got plus strikeout stuff. He has and uh and uh, he could give you over a strikeout per inning and have like a three to one K to walk rate, perhaps give you a nice whip on that. So Elias is someone who I think I think could be uh you know an upside play at the back end of your draft. I like it. And he did that's with the Marlins and has the stuff that he has, I think is worth the gamble. He just needs health. Yeah. That's, I think he just needs to stay healthy. Marty, what about you? Your last guy, Dylan Bundy, baby. I got him everywhere from Glarf to TGFBI to the triple players ball. Um, so I got to just, you know, got to go with the guy that I got. Um, he's still not too far removed. You know, we remember that one beautiful season that he had, um, where, you know, it was, it seemed like he had turned a corner, um, but he asked, unfortunately he was really horrible last year. So it, it's this thing where we don't know exactly what we're going to get in 2020. He, it was only what I think he went 65.2 innings. Um, he had a 3.29 ERA and he skyrocketed. Everyone's skyrocketed up. Everybody's board for 2021 last year. He was awful. He had a 6.06 ERA. He just never was comfortable. He was um, hurt in and out. He only got 90 innings pitched so it wasn't anywhere near a full season for him so i'm hoping he can return back to form for your twins get you know rejuvenated in a little bit uh a new park it's a, it's a good it's a good pitcher's park i don't think it, it favors really either way um but just new scenery and hopefully we can get something out of him he's basically free do you guys like dylan bundy or the upside of mackenzie gore more i like dylan bundy because i know he's gonna play i agree on that yeah, yeah. i don't know what gore's gonna do i think I mean, twins don't develop pitching well. When players come over as free agents, it doesn't always go well with our pitching coaches. And yeah, but Baltimore, not really. sound like a sad fan. <laughs> I'm ex- Dylan Bundy's going to have like a, a, if I'm being realistic, he's going to have like a low f- or high fours, low five ERA. He's going to be batting practice. He's going to have like, if Dylan Bundy is good next year, <laughs> I'll be the first one to say, Marty Tallman, you are a, you were right. I was wrong. I need to listen to you a lot more. Well, we need to put the parameters around what good is because I don't think he's going to be. I wouldn't necessarily say he's going to be good. He's going to pick five thirty-one. So what, what's is his ERA under four? I think I think we could expect probably somewhere around a four point three, four point five. Okay, so yeah, let's make a bet, a pod bet right now, and yeah. we're going to start keeping track of these. I have to make an, a Google Doc. Interns, yeah. <laughs> Listen, yes. Yes. you're listening. All right. In turns, you are keeping track of our, our bets here. Keep This is the first bet. 4.5 ERA under for Marty Tallman, over for D-Mendy. All right. I put that down in my little handy-dandy notebook. So in case the intern slip, I got him. All Go, right. Marty! <laughs> All right. Doc, give us your clip notes, your last guy. Yeah, for me, it's Madison Bumgarner. Uh, he threw three scoreless inning pitch, and I want to give a shout-out to SB Streamer. Second time he's going to get credit on this pod. Oh, wow. His fastball velo was from 90 to 91, increase from last year to this year. The cutter velocity up from 87.3 to 88.7. I mean, last year he had a 1.18 whip, and I don't think that it necessarily correlates to the 4.63 ERA that he had or 4.67. I mean, he's, he's only 32 years old. I know he has a lot of mileage on that arm, but he threw 147 innings last year. He's an innings eater. I'm not saying we're going to see the mad bum of old, but I think a high three ZRA, low fours is an unrealistic. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not taking any mad bum, but at this point in the draft that you get him right under Dylan Bundy at 534, it's a free pick. Wait, Dave, Dave, Dylan Bundy or mad bum? Gun to your head, who are you taking? <laughs> Dylan Bundy. Oh, wow. What? 
Yeah. <laughs> After that bet you just made. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's like, do you want to? Do you want to call it trash or garbage? Like, I mean, at the would end you of rather the day, have Dylan Bundy or Rich Hill? Rich Hill, no question. Okay. Um, but yeah, Mad Bum. I think he's shown how bad he is over the last couple seasons. Now, I think Bundy has a little bit of a chance to to outperform Bump Mad. He's Bum. a bull rider now. He's got better things to do. Exactly. All right, my last guy is. I, I had to bring his name up because he's been the talk of spring training. Jesus Lazardo, his ADP starting to go up there, but as of yesterday, he was the 99th pitcher off the board, picked 256.61. You look at his last Tuesday start; he relied heavily on his fastball. He threw about 51 percent of the time. Then on Sunday, so we're recording this on Monday, so that was yesterday. Four innings pitched. Okay, he threw 61 pitches, with all but three of them being his curveball or fastball. So he threw his two best pitches and he threw those often. Not only did he do that, but his velo was up. He was touching 98, averaging 97.3 miles per hour. Uh, just absolutely filthy. And this was against an Astros lineup that had everybody in it besides Jordan Alvarez as their opening day lineup. Um, he asked, asked about his command. He said this is the best he's felt in years as far as his command, especially with his fastball, which he's been known to have struggled command with. Final line on Sunday was four innings, five hits, one run, which was zero earned, a walk and five Ks. Has not allowed a run, an earned run in Grapefruit League comp- uh, competition this year. Uh, he looks like he's back to being what we were talking about. He was going to be in Oakland. And the, the Marlins are kind of unlocking that now. We saw glimpses at the end of last year. And I think at this point, he, I heard people talking about it. Could he be this year's Robbie Ray? He might be one of the lead candidates for that because the stuff and the prospect pedigree, and now he's got the right coaching staff and team in place to harness it all or to uh to, you know put it all together. At pick two hundred and fifty-two, going around Bailey Ober, Herman Marquez, I'm sorry, Marty Casey Mize, Stephen the the doormats. Like, give me Jesus Lazardo all day over all those guys. I would say Lazardo over Mize all day, every day. Yeah, but. That's going to close out our starting pitcher discussion. Obviously, there's a lot of starting pitchers to talk about. We, I think we hit a good amount, 20 on this episode alone. And throughout this entire starting pitcher preview, we hit a good amount of guys. And hopefully with your fantasy drafts now wrapping up, we are about a week and a half away from opening day. You have enough knowledge of pitchers you want to draft and pitchers you think you'll avoid going into your draft. But guys, that's going to wrap us up here. Anything you guys would like to plug to the audience before we close out shop? Uh, baseball's coming and, and, and just enjoy it. I agree. Very excited for that. But all right, fellas, that's going to close us out here. Please make sure if you're watching on YouTube, you like the video, you're subscribed if you're not subscribed, and leave a comment down below whose list of their top five pitchers in this range did you like the best and why did you like those pitchers? And why is David's the worst? <laughs> and if you're on the podcast version, please, five-star ratings and reviews always help build up the podcast side of things. And whatever format you listen or watch on, we appreciate you. But that's going to wrap us up. Dimendi, that's Marty Tallman, that's LC, that's Doc Mendelson. Go make a, go make like a bread truck. We're going to make like a bread truck. We're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.